This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time from RelicRadio.com. This is the Relic Radio Show. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me for another 60 minutes of radio drama. We'll begin with Suspense and The Big Heist, their story from December 1st, 1952. After that is Gunsmoke and Kitty. Their episode from November 29th, 1952. Autolite and its 98,000 dealers bring you Mr. John Hodiak in tonight's presentation of Suspense. Tonight, Autolite presents the story of two men who could really talk, a young man and an old man. Naturally enough, they were liars. They also happen to be bank robbers. The story is based on fact and called The Big Heist. Our star, Mr. John Hodiak. Well, hello there, Sheriff. Oh, hello, Harlow. Say, now, ain't that Autolite staple the best battery that ever set a car parking? <laughs> well, it sure is, Sheriff. The Autolite staple is the famous battery that needs water only three times a year in normal car use. It's the battery with fiberglass retaining mats protecting the power of every positive plate to reduce shedding and flaking and give that great battery longer life, as proved by tests conducted according to accepted life cycle standards. Who says different, Sheriff? Why, nobody, Harlow. I just can't find nobody as needs convincing about the Autolite staple. You're so right, Sheriff. So, friends, visit your nearest Autolite battery dealer. He services all makes of batteries, and he has an Autolite stay full for your car. To quickly locate him, call Western Union by number... And ask for me, Operator 25. I'll tell you the name of your nearest Autolite battery dealer, where you can get an Autolite staple. The battery that needs water only three times a year in normal car use. And remember, from bumper to taillight, you're always right with Autolite. And now, Autolite presents The Big Heist, starring Mr. John Hodiak, hoping once again to keep you in... Suspense. Yeah, sure. I work with John Barry on the Colfax National Trick. He's the best in these bank bits, you know. Of course, everybody knows that. He had it cased right up to where he could tell you what the guy in small loans had for breakfast that morning. If it was a John Barry job, you can figure it was first class. Good. Right. Know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I believe I will. Thanks. Much obliged. You see... I'd been hanging around that pool room for a week or so, knocking off this one and that one, picking up enough to get by on. It was, uh, let me see, four days ago. Thursday. This bald-headed gent had been sitting there a half hour or better watching me practice. I'd seen him around before. I knew he'd get up and talk to me pretty soon. Hey. What's the matter? That's pretty good. Just luck. Ah, don't kid me. I'm not. You like eight ball? Well, I'm willing to try anything. Swell. Play for a buck? I don't know. What's the matter? Have you got a buck? I'm looking at the way you picked out that cue. You must be pretty good. Ah, I'm no good at all. Now, let's hold off playing for a buck right now. Just a friendly game. Oh, well, suit yourself. 
But you'll be sorry when you see how I play. I'm really no good. You wait, you'll see. He was a lollipop. If he'd thrown away the cue and used a baseball bat, he'd done better. Every shot, I thought he was going to tear the felt right off the table. But I let him win the first four games, and I could tell he felt pretty good about it. I miscued and passed up shots that a ten-year-old kid could have figured. I only had five bucks to my name, but I knew I was going to have at least 25 of his before I finished running. Okay, this will only take a minute. Uh oh. All of you, over against that wall. Come on, let's hustle it up. Come on, boys, let's not waste a lot of time. Hey, what's up? Looking for vags, I guess. Huh? Getting a road gang together. They like to pick up anybody who needs a shave. Uh oh. Come on now, you two, get over here. Right against the wall, boys. That's it. Let's knock off the chatter, huh? Just keep it quiet. I want identification on all of you. Driver's license, social security card, something that'll tell us what your name is, where you live, and where you work. Take them out. Come on, boys. Hey, I'm in trouble. Huh? No address here. Boy, you are in trouble. Shut up, Dollar. How many times do I got to This judge? your address, Barney? 21216? Yes, sir. What kind of work do you do? I'm a bricklayer. Where do you work? Masterson Construction Company. Why aren't you working today? I'm sick. Okay. Let's see it. No, not the wallet, just the card. Hmm. Carl Weisenbach? Yeah. Work, Carl? No, just sort of passing through town. You can see I live in Philly. I can see. How do you live, Carl? I saved my money. This one. Okay, come on. Hey, uh, you know what it's all about. Let's have it, buddy. James Scott? That's right, Sergeant. What's this Salt Lake City? Well, that's where I lived. Uh, he's uh, with me now. We live together at 516 Marriondale, number 14. What's your name? Martin Collins. What kind of work do you do? I'm an electrician. Yeah. What do you do? I help him. I'm learning the trade. Here? In this place? Oh, a guy's got to relax, Sergeant. <laughs> we just finished a big wiring job for an outdoor billboard outfit. Why? Right. Seventeen days hanging by our toes on those things. You try it sometime. Uh, and right? this is our first day off since the beginning of the last month. All uh, right? You betcha. That's the truth, Sergeant. Okay, here. You. Uh, where do you work? Man, I own this place. That's where I work. Uh, thanks, Colin. Ah, uh, don't Where's mention your it, Scotty. That's about the way it started. Collins turned out to be a little quicker than I first sized him up. I could have talked my way out of it, I guess, but then he just might have saved me ten days for no visible means. After the cops talked to everybody and hauled a few down, we went back to the table. Hey, aren't you going to let me get even? You'd never get even with me, boy. What? <laughs> had me picked, didn't you, Scott? Just like that bus driver you had right here on the same table three days ago. Why? Oh, you were going to let me win the first four. Then you were going to turn into a regular woolly hoppy and really let me have it. <laughs> it had gone up from a buck to five, then ten. Isn't that the way you're going to work it now, huh? Well, I'd just like to try for my three bucks again. <laughs> Come on, boy. Who are you kidding? Own up now. <laughs> okay. I had your picks. <laughs> I can still give you a game, though. I tell you, I invented the game. You'd be wasting your time. You have been wasting your time. Have I? <laughs> Five, ten, fifteen bucks a day around here. Not bad, I'd say. How could you go for ten thousand bucks in one day, huh? Sounds good. But you'll have to lend me some overalls, because I know I'm going to have to work real hard for that kind of money. 
We need a third guy. For what? You want to meet somebody? Sure. Why not? Hang up your cue, boy. John Barry. Hello. This is Jim Scott, John. Hiya. Come on in, Jim. Tell me where you come from. Salt Lake City. Nice place, Salt Lake. How long you been in town? A week or better. Uh, what are you doing in this part of the country? Well, I don't know if I... I isn't going to hurt you. Just answer questions, Scott. Go on, tell him. You sit down, son. Sure. Thanks. I just like to know a little about the people I work with, that's all. Now, Jens, what are you doing here? Looking for work, I guess. I drove a truck on my last job. You know anybody in town? A couple of people. Who? Oh, girl named Melva. We sort of uh, got acquainted. A week in town and you already got yourself a girl. That's good, isn't it, Martin? Ah, pretty good, John. Well, you're a personable young fellow. You have a nice way about you. I don't see why not. Can you use a little money? Well, uh, he said something about $10,000. That's not a little money. It might be a lot more than that. At least ten. Oh, sure. I could use it. What do I have to do? Hold up a bank? No, I'll do that part of it. You just help me. Huh? Yes, it's a bank job. You ever hear me, son? John Barry? No. Well, I'm the best in the business, and I always pick good men to work with me. Now, you look like the kind of boy who knows how to use his head. I'd like to have you in on it. You'll probably go far in this world. Not sticking up a bank, I won't. I'll go to jail. That's what'll happen. I thought you looked him over, Martin. I did, John. It's a surprise to me. Would you rather hang around those pool rooms the rest of your life? Oh, I've never done anything like a bank. What have you done, son? Thirty days. Uh, Ninety days once, and I didn't like it. Oh, I see. And I don't blame you. But no policeman's going to bother you on this. You aren't going to wind up in any jail. Nobody's going to jail. You do your part of it exactly the way I show you, and you come out clean, safe, nice and rich. Now, how does that sound? Oh, it sounds pretty good. How about that uh, girl, um, Melva? Yeah, that's her name. she pretty? Sure. Well, she likes you all that. Huh, Martin? Yeah, sure. Now, you and I both know that one thing ladies understand is money. The more you have, the more they understand. It's the way they're built. Isn't that the way it is, Martin? Sure is, John. And you know that too, son. Now, the money you get from this would help you a lot. Or maybe you wouldn't want to spend it on her. But then at your age, a good fling is something to remember all your life. A new car, nice place to live, things like that make this old world not such a bad place to live in. Maybe you'd even like to go into business. Well, I thought about that, too. Sure you have. When the whole thing's over, you'll never see Martin here again. You'll never see me again. But you'll have a big package of money to remember us by, to do with what you like. And I can tell by looking at you right now that you have some pretty good ideas on how to handle money. Now, isn't that right? Well, what would I have to do? I just pay attention to what you told, Scott. Martin's right. Years from now, somebody might ask you, or you just might want to tell them. You can say you were with John Barry on the bank job. You can say you started when it was low-needle and you wrote it all the way. Of course, uh, if you don't want to work with me, you can walk right out that door and forget we ever talked about this. But when you read in the papers about how it went off and how much was taken, you'll feel pretty silly passing it up. Now, if you can use the money and follow instructions, Martin and I would like to have you in on it. Wouldn't we? Ah, we sure would. Well... When when are you going to do it? Tomorrow afternoon. You want to help us tip over this bank, or, or don't you? What do you say? <clears throat> Ten thousand? Probably a lot more. Are you in, son? I'm in. 
Bringing you Mr. John Hodiak in The Big Heist. Tonight's presentation in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. You know, Harlow, I really go for that Autolite Stayful battery. Well, millions of motorists do, Sheriff. They all agree that for power, dependability, and convenience, you just can't beat the battery that needs water only three times a year in normal car use. And don't forget, it has a life longer than a Texas Panhandle. That's because every positive plate in the Autolite Stayful is protected by fiberglass retaining mats to reduce shedding and flaking for longer life, as proved by tests conducted according to accepted life cycle standards. Yes, sir. That Autolite Stayful is tops for my money. And your Autolite battery dealer is tops when it comes to servicing all makes of batteries. And he has an Autolite stay full for your car if a replacement is needed. To quickly locate him, call Western Union by number... And ask for operator 25. I'll tell you the name of your nearest Autolite battery dealer where you can get an Autolite stay full. The battery that needs water only three times a year in normal car use. And remember, from bumper to taillight, you're always right with Autolite. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Mr. John Hodiak in Elliot Lewis's production of The Big Heist, a dramatic report well calculated to keep you in suspense. This bird who built the Colfax National had a pretty nifty idea. He uh, set it back off the street so you can just shove your car right up in front of the place like it was a drive-in. No parking problem. There's plenty of room all the time to get in or out. And I guess that's the main reason John Barry fixed it. Just a minute, Scott. Huh? Relax. Well, I thought we were going in and looked the place over. It's been looked over. I've been at it for the last eight months. Oh, okay. See that guard in front, son? Uh, the one looking at us? He's looking over us, son. He's watching that big clock across the street. He always does. Huh? For some reason, two minutes mean a lot in that man's life. The clock across the street runs two minutes fast. There are clocks on all four walls of the bank that are right on the nose. But when it gets near quitting time, he goes by that clock in front of the jewelry store. Now, in about 30 seconds, he'll rope off the front doors of the bank, and no more customers will be allowed in today. You'll have to keep him busy out there tomorrow. You're worried about one guard out front? Well, what about all those tellers and clerks inside? Must be 25 of them. There's 33 people inside that bank. Well, who's going to keep them busy while I'm keeping him busy? Suppose one of them wants to turn you're, in and you're, you're, you're asking too many questions, Scott. Why don't you just listen? That's all right, Martin. I don't want to worry about anything. Son... There are only four tellers inside that bank who'll know it's being robbed. We'll be ten blocks away before the rest of them find out. Yeah, about but it. I can see five cages in there. That's right. We only have to worry about the first four. The fifth one won't be working tomorrow. He's a war veteran with a hero complex. The only one in the whole bunch who'll try for the alarm. But we're lucky. The poor man has a spinal injury. Every Friday afternoon, he leaves at two o'clock to go over to the veterans' hospital on Brainbridge Boulevard for outpatient treatment. They just close his cage. He uh, hurt bad? Anything in the spine's bad. Yeah. What did I tell you? 
The guards are open off the door. Two minutes to three by the bank clocks. Three o'clock by that one over there. You and I'll park the car here tomorrow at five minutes to three. I'll already be inside the bank waiting for John. Martin goes in at 2.45. I meet him inside at two minutes to three. Martin covers me while I work the cages. At three, by that clock across the street, you go up to that guard and keep him busy. I don't want him to turn around or worry about anything that's going on inside. You understand, son? Yeah, yeah, sure. You'll have to keep him busy for at least three minutes. How? You talk pretty good, Scotty. That's why we picked you. Uh, Martin's right, son. You just go up to him and say anything you like, so just so you keep him busy. This time tomorrow, you'll be a pretty well-set young fella. Doesn't that make you feel good, son? I don't know where I got the notion that a bank robber always wore a dark suit and pulled a hat over his eyes. It was pretty hard to convince myself that an old guy, a fat guy, and me were going to heist the Colfax National. But when we got back to the hotel room and John Barry began telling me all he knew about the insides and outsides of that bank and the people who ran it and the people who built it and the people who owned it, I began to get a lump in my throat for the bonding company. He had diagrams. He had blueprints. He knew the alarm system better than the Ginzo who put it in. And uh, there's a certain safe company back in Ohio that'd make him a vice president tomorrow for what he could tell him about their own time vaults. But until eight that night, he kept me busier than a flea on a fat man telling me about everything. I felt pretty good about the whole thing. And I was just getting ready to go up to the room he rented for me when it happened. Here you are, son. Go ahead, son. Take it. It's yours. Wait, you didn't say anything about a gun. I thought all I had to do was talk to that guard. That's right, son. But I'm giving you this right now. I want you to have it. Well, 45. Uh-huh. Fine piece, that. Is it loaded? Well, uh, you better go upstairs and get yourself some sleep, son. Big day tomorrow. Yeah. I guess you're right. I'll tell you this right now. That gun was something I hadn't counted on. John told me I wouldn't have to use it. Just the same, it worried me. You know, I just wasn't used to it. I went up to my room and tried to call Melva, but she was out. I lay down a while, and I couldn't sleep somehow. So I just went for a walk, thinking about everything. And I had the gun with me, right in my pocket. It was almost midnight when I got back. I didn't go to my room. I went right to his... He was lying on top of his bed in the dark. But his eyes were wide open and he had all his clothes on. An old guy, smoking his cigar, listening to the radio in his window. Is that you, son? Yeah. Pretty music, huh? Very nice stuff, that man, Rose. Yeah. Look, John, I'm out. Out of the job, son? Yeah. Here's your gun back. I don't want it. I thought of just scramming out, but I wanted to tell you because you've been good to me today. I see. Mind if I ask you what made you change your mind about tomorrow? Oh, I don't know what it was. I I just decided not to, that's all. Uh, got the coffee, John. Ah, thought you were in bed, Scott. Martin. Scott says he isn't going with us tomorrow. Why? That's right. Then there's no sense in you getting steamed up about it. I'm just not going to do it. 
What's the whole thing in a shell hole? Now, look, Scott, we got to have you on this job. It's too late to get anybody else. John spent eight months laying it out. It's fixed for tomorrow afternoon. No, no, Martin, just a minute. Scott's a pretty good boy. We both know that. If he has a reason to back out and quit, it must be a pretty good reason. Isn't that right, son? Yeah. You see, Martin, he's thought it over. Oh, but, John, if it doesn't come off the way we plan it... Wait a minute, Martin. Son. What? I'd like to ask you again. Why? Why? Well, I just don't want it. Is it the gun, son? Is that it? I don't want to shoot nobody. Oh, well, no. Martin, have we ever shot anybody? No. You see, son, no sense in worrying about that. Now, Martin carried a gun for what? Uh, 11 years, Martin? Ah, at least that. Never fired it. Martin, show him your gun. Sure. Say, practically rusted, isn't it? Now, I've carried one for 22 years. Never had occasion to use it at all. When I gave you that gun tonight, son, I just thought I was going to make you feel good, honestly. Well, you didn't make me feel good. I see that now. But believe me, I just gave it to you as a sort of insurance. You don't even have to carry it if you don't want to, but... Uh, look here, uh, you take it back. Go ahead, keep it tonight. If you don't want to take it tomorrow, that's all right. Now, how's that? Well, uh... You go upstairs and get a good night's rest, sir. You don't have anything to worry about. Tomorrow we'll all have a big breakfast and forget this ever happened. We left the hotel at 2.20, and we dropped Martin Collins six blocks from the Colfax Mansion. He was to take a streetcar up there. After that, John Barry and I drove around to kill 12 minutes. At 2.45, we headed for the bank ourselves. And we pulled up in the lot at exactly seven minutes to three. You'd have thought I'd been through a dozen of them the way I felt. And then, just like that, it started. You all right? Well, maybe I can't keep them busy for three minutes. What then? No, no, take it easy. Cause you can keep them busy. Talk to them. You know how to do that. Look, but what if I can't? Now, look. That guard's name's Edward Jameson. Make $68 a week standing there looking at that clock across the street and telling people why they can't come in once he's put the rope up. That's the big moment in his life. It's the only thing he's got to live for. Play on that. Sir. Yeah, yeah, but suppose. Here, you... you forgot this. Hey, oh, no, no, no. I, I left that back in my room. Yeah, I know. And so I brought it in case you might need it. Slip it inside your coat. Well. a boy. All right, on time. Go after him as soon as he puts up the ropes. I don't want this thing, son. That man's got to be busy. If you can't keep him busy talking, you shove that thing right under his nose. It'll look terrible to him, even bigger than it is. Remember, he doesn't want to get all shot up. Good luck. Yeah. After hours. You mean it's three already? Afraid it is. There's the clock. Well, it must be fast. I, I got two minutes out. I guess you're slow, sir. Well, you couldn't sneak me in, I suppose. Strictly against the house rules, no, sir. Well, look, one customer more or less isn't going to make any difference, is it? I'm sorry. Once the rope's up, I can let them out, but I can't let them in. Well, this sure puts me in a spot. Mm, is it a deposit? No, I have a piece of property going through escrow now. Now, I just found out the man I sold it to is declaring bankruptcy. Esco's up at 10 tonight, and I don't want him to have my property. Would you? Oh, I should say not. Well, look, if, if you could just let me in there to talk to the escrow people, I can get myself out of a lot of trouble. What do you say? Well, I think I can help you. Good. I'll appreciate it. Now, look. Mr. Evers, head of the escrow division, is here until 5. Now, the operator is supposed to... I was looking over his shoulder, past him, inside the bank. 
I could see John Barry in front of one of the teller's cages, helping himself to a bag full of money. Martin Collins was standing right in the middle of the lobby, his right hand stuck down inside his coat pocket. Every one of the tellers was looking at him with a sort of wide eye, like they couldn't believe it. Old John was nudging somebody in front of him. Looked like a vice president. And they just kept going from cage to cage where he'd pick up the cash. Nobody made a move. I don't think any of the customers that were in there or anybody else outside the tellers knew the place was being robbed. Well, what is it? Aren't you going to call Mr. Evers? Huh? Well, what are you looking... Move back! Hey! Back! Or I'll let go! Look, are you crazy? <laughs> Why'd you shoot him? It just went off. It just went off. Get out of here, boys. I didn't mean to shoot him. I didn't want to shoot him. You guys know that, don't you? All right, shut up, Scotty. I didn't want to. Honest, I didn't want to. I didn't want to do any of this. You guys made me do it. You taught me to do it. That's what you did. And I'm going to tell them, too. I'm going to tell them everything you made me do, and then they won't do anything to me. Never mind, Martin. Over there. He's got a gun on us. Hey, they're coming. That's right. And you can tell them anything you want. All of you. All of you. Come out of that car one at a time with your hands up. Well, suppose I should never have given him the gun, Martin. I suppose so, John. Come out of it. Open fire. Come on, son. Let's see what these police officers want to talk about. John Barry, and remember, he's the best. Looked like any old geezer you'd find filling prescriptions behind a drugstore counter or, or reading books in a public library on Sunday afternoons. But let me tell you, he had it. Every time he opened his mouth, he made sense. He was pretty good at that old chatter, too. In fact, I'd say he was just about that much better than me. Suspense. Presented by Autolite. Tonight's star, Mr. John Hodiak. This is Harlow Wilcox speaking for Autolite. And here once again is our star, John Hodiak. Well, John, it was good to have you back on Suspense after a long absence. Thanks, Harlow. And thanks to Autolite for inviting me. Suspense is truly radio's outstanding theater of thrills. And I consider it a privilege to be a part of it. And, John, it's satisfying to be a part of the Autolite family, for Autolite is one of the great names in American industry. Indeed it is, Harlow. World's largest independent manufacturer of automotive electrical equipment, the Autolite family includes 98,000 distributors and dealers in the United States and thousands more in Canada and throughout the world. Well, no wonder I find Autolite service wherever I go. Right you are, John. And friends, remember, every Autolite product is backed by constant research and precision built to the highest standards of quality and performance. So, from bumper to tail light, you're always right with Autolite. Next week, the story of a man who had everything to live for and committed murder to prove it to himself. The story is called Joker Wild, and our stars will be Kathy and Elliot Lewis. That's next week on Suspense. Suspense is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis with music composed by Lucian Marwick 
and conducted by Lud Gluskin. The Big Heist was written for suspense by E. Jack Newman. In tonight's cast, Herb Butterfield was John and Joseph Kearns, Collins. Featured in the cast were Junius Matthews, Charles Calvert, Ted Bliss, Bert Holland, and Jerry Hausner. John Hodiak is currently appearing in the light artist Battle Zone. Remember next week, Kathy and Elliot Lewis in Joker Wild. batteries, Autolite electrical parts, and Autolite resistor or standard type spark plugs at your neighborhood Autolite dealers. Switch to Autolite. Good night. 200%. That's how much mail volume increases during the holiday season. If you want to be certain that packages and greetings reach their destination before Christmas, mail early. Mail now. This is the CBS Radio Network. Dodge City and in the territory on west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gun smoke. Starring William Conrad, the story of the violence that moved west with young America, the story of a man who moved with it, Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. This morning, Mr. Bumby. Huh? Oh, hello, Marshal. <laughs> uh, morning, Mr. Dillon. Morning, Sam. Is uh, Kitty around? Oh, don't know if she's up yet, but if she is, she ought to be down soon. <laughs> well, I'll wait. Nippy this morning. Oh, feels good. It's a nice time of year, huh? Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of like spring. Uh, Sam. You better wash that glass over. Huh? Hmm? Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, can I get you something? Beer, maybe? Uh, got any coffee? Sure. Just made a pot. Oh, that'll be fine. Her face is wondrous That's pretty, man. <laughs> you got a pretty boy. Oh, it is. Good enough for calling hogs, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you, you just get up? A while ago. Why? Boy, it just strikes me I haven't seen you close to early like this. Uh-huh. No, no, I, I, you look fine. I, 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 mean, I mean that you... You better quit by your head. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's... Where's Sam? Oh, he's bringing in coffee. Oh, Sam, cup for me, please. Sure, Miss Kitty. What's the occasion, Matt? Uh... 
Kidding? Um, there's a party tomorrow night, a dance. It's a benefit for the new school down at the hall, you know? <laughs> and, uh, ever fellas to bring a girl, you know? <laughs> it happens at dances. Go on. Well, uh, what I'm trying to... Will you go? Uh, with me? I'd kind of like to, Matt, but... No, thanks. Oh. Well, I gotta work here, you know that. Besides... Well, you I... ought to be able to get off. Well, even if I could, ladies might not take kindly to it, Matt. I... Not rightly polite society. Ah, what do you care about what... Well, thanks anyway, Matt. Ah, that smells wonderful. Sammy, I think I'll marry you. <laughs> Me? Oh, shucks. <laughs> Me? Oh, shucks. <laughs> uh, listen, Kitty, about the dance, I I've already bought the you're, tickets. You're sweet, Matt, and I thank you kindly for thinking of me, but you better ask someone else. Well, it, it isn't... Ki Sam, will, will you go and polish up your glasses, please? Hmm? Oh, sure, Mr. Dillon, sure. Mm -hmm. Now, look, Kitty, I'm asking you to go with me. It, well, it's important to me that you go. Are you making love to me, Matt? At this hour in the morning? No, no I, I mean it. I I want you to go to the dance. You want to be embarrassed. You want everyone to stare at us. You know what they'll say? My, my, the marshal really should have better sense than to bring that woman here. It ain't decent. It ain't proper. <laughs> oh, Kitty. Well, it's true. <laughs> I'm a hostess at the Texas Trail, a, a saloon. You know what they think about me. Well, I... Will you go, Kitty? No. I'll call by for you at seven, huh? I'll drink a bottle of whiskey and clout some old biddy on the head. Then you'll be sorry. Oh, Kitty. I haven't got anything to wear, Matt. I can't wear my working clothes. You look just fine like you are, Kitty. Just fine, just like you are. Marshal. Yeah. I shouldn't, but I guess I'll go to the dance with you. <laughs> I'll be ready at seven. How do you talk about a woman like Kitty? The color of her hair, eyes, the shape of her leg, the way she spoke, thought. Well, that's a picture you had to get by... Looking and hearing, otherwise you, you'd never know it. And I felt real good about taking Kitty to the party. The first time we'd really be out in company. And I liked the idea. Oh, morning, Mr. Dillon. Good morning, Chester. Nice day. What is that? That? Mr. Dillon? Yeah, all over my desk, that. Ink. Yes, sir, I know. I was just cleaning it up, Mr. Dillon. Seemed like a big blue bottle fly, last of his kind this fall, I guess. Big fool blue bottle fly was a setting on your desk, Mr. Dillon. Oh, you're slopping it all over the floor, Chester. Yes, sir, I see it. That lazy fool blue bottle fly was a stomping all over your desk, Mr. Dillon, and I took a whack at him with a paper I happened to have in my hand, and I got him. Well, thanks a lot. Well, that's all right, Mr. Dillon. 
if there's anything in this world I hate, it's a big maggoty blue bottle. Yeah, fly. yeah, yeah, I know, Chester. Uh, the, the mail come in yet? Yes, sir. A couple of minutes ago. It's right over there. Oh, okay. There. I think that should do it, Mr. Dillon. All right, Chester. Anything likely in the mail, Mr. Dillon? No, no. Uh, look, Chester, uh, we better get these government circulars posted. Uh, would you do that for me? Yes, sir, I'll do that. Uh, say, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, what is it, Chester? About the dance tomorrow. Now, what about it? Well, you're going, aren't you, sir? Doc's going. He's taking Ms. McNish. I I'm going. Everybody's going. You are going, aren't you, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, I'm going. Don't seem right, a man. You're standing not to go to a big social like we're... You are? Yes. Well, that's fine. Just fine. Doc and, and me, we were talking, and it just didn't seem right to us that a man like you didn't have no real nice sweet girl to escort to a big social. I got one, Chester. A real nice sweet girl. I'm taking Kitty. Miss Kitty? I asked her before I came down if she accepted. Well, that's good. Miss Kitty. Uh, that's right, Chester. Uh, I uh, got I got a couple of letters off to Washington, Chester. You, you want to go and see about posting those circulars, huh? Yes, Mr. Dillon. Ah, fine. What is it, Chester? Well, Mr. Dillon, it it ain't none of my business, and I, I did not have no right to say it. Say what? Well, sir, I... I... Yeah? I was wondering if I might borrow one of them fancy ties off you for the party. That's not your business. That's what you haven't got any right to say. Yes, sir. No, that's... Right. You're a liar, Chester. But you can borrow a tie. I thank you kindly, Mr. Dillon. You work for a long time with a man, and you share a lot of life and a lot of death. And after a while, you, you know him even better than yourself. Well, that's the way it is with... Chester with me. Now, he had something on his mind, and I figured after a while he'd get it off. Well, the morning went, and it was almost noon when Chester came back. Gonna go have some dinner, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, I think I will. How about you? Hungry as a raggle-bone possum. <laughs> Did you get the posters up? Yes, sir. Well, okay, let's go. Uh, Mr. Dillon? Yeah. I guess there's something you ought to know, sir. There's talk. Yeah. All right, Chester, come on, get it out. It's all over town. About you taking Miss Kitty to the dance tomorrow night. What do you mean, all over town? I only asked her this morning. Yes, sir, I know. Best I can figure, Sam over at the Texas Trail must heard you and let it slip. There's been a mighty fierce mess of gum clobbering up and down. All over. All right. Uh, thanks for telling me, Chester. It ain't none of my business. Yeah, I know. You said that before. Yes, sir. 
I surely did. Well, let's go get something to eat. It's hard to tell about people. Maybe it's hard to tell about yourself because you come under that same heading, people. And when they're mean and small, there's not an animal to touch them. Chester and I walked down the street, and it didn't take long to hear and see what was going on. Some of the drifters leaning against the wall on the corner came right out with it. Morning, Marshal. I understand there's a gal in town's got herself a new boat. What did you say? <laughs> Maybe you ought to look into it, Marshal. Folks are being downright rude. Mister, you're gonna... Come on, Chester. <laughs> Ought to haul him in. Everyone. Yeah. What are you going to charge him with? Pestilence, Mr. Dillon. Just plain pestilence. I knew better what Kitty had meant about the ladies of the town when a couple came out of Olivet's dry goods store. He didn't see me until it was too late. I'm to the dance committee. It's indecent, that's what it is, why she's common. Nothing but a common saloon woman. What's this city coming to when a United States marshal... Morning, Miss Sprinkle. Uh. When a man's born, they, they say he's blessed or cursed with a lot of things already in him. Take pride, for instance. Sometimes pride can be a curse. Well, maybe I had more in my share. Maybe it would have been a sight kinder if I'd not taken Kitty to the dance. But I did. Return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, this hint for weekend driving. Whatever you do, be moderate. Be obedient to all traffic laws. Be careful. Use your head and don't take chances. Now for the second act of Gunsmoke. picked up Kitty at the Texas Trail at 7 the next evening. She was waiting by the side door, and when I saw her, she kind of moved back in the shadows, almost as though she was ashamed for me to see her. Hi. Hello, Matt. Are you all set? Well, I guess so. Uh, Matt, are you sure? Hey, you... Kitty, you look fine. Hey, you look just fine. <laughs> Do you like it? Yeah. Yeah, I like it. walked along the street down to the hall, and I, I kept looking at her like, 
Like I say, you know, you, you, you had to know this, Kitty, to understand what I mean. And <laughs> even then, you get a surprise. She was like a 17-year-old on her first date. And she was like all the women you'd ever known and loved. Soft and innocent. And something else. Something that's female and you can't figure out what. Something that makes you drunk without a drink inside you. It was snowing a little and the flakes caught in her hair and melted into the black of her velvet cloak. And just before we went in, I looked at her again. And I didn't care. I, I was proud she was with me. Oh, evening, Marshal Dillon. Evening, Miss Murphy. Uh, you know Miss Russell? I do. You have your tickets, Marshal Dillon? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, here we are. Fine. Uh, go right in, won't you? Oh, sure. Oh, uh, excuse me, Mrs. Murphy. Is there somewhere I can put my cloak? Oh, uh, uh, yes, yes, of course. Um, the ladies' reception room is right through there. I, I didn't catch the name. Catherine Russell, ma'am. Excuse me, ma'am. Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll wait for you. Thanks. You better... I could see them through the big open doors in the hall. They were all there. Faces flushed, smiling, happy, dancing. And all the women seemed pretty and the men handsome. And Chester was up on the platform calling the dance and Doc was fiddling. And I was waiting for my dancing partner, Miss Kitty Russell. with one of the genteel females in there. Oh, I'm sorry. Why so she? <laughs> you know, I get the idea I'm not welcome around here. Uh, uh, let's go in and get some punch, huh? Sure. <laughs> How are you, John? Oh, that's a nice dress, Kitty. Well, I haven't worn it since a few years back in New Orleans. Hey, Marshal. Oh, Miss Kitty. That's Doc. Well, hiya. Oh, fine, Doc. Hello, Doc. <laughs> I say, <clears throat> say, we got a bottle of whiskey outside. You care to join it? <laughs> oh, this punch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not right now. Thank you, Doc. Oh, well, sure. Hey, Miss Kitty, I saw you come in. Best-looking woman in here. Oh, there's lots of scratching going on. <laughs> Thank you, Doc. If you see Mrs. Magnish, don't tell her where I am, will you? Man gets kind of dry, fiddling. Oh, I'm so long. So long, Doc. Punch, Marshal Dillon? Uh, Kitty? I guess so. Uh, Mr. Sprinkle, have you met Miss Catherine Russell? Uh, no, no, I'm afraid I haven't. You got a short memory, Mr. Sprinkle. Huh? I could have swore it was you in the Texas Trail a couple of weeks back. Drunker than a hoot owl. Don't you remember I had to slap your face? Uh, I, I think... Edward? Well, I, it, Edward? Yes, dear. 
You let somebody else take care of the punch. I want you to come with oh, me. Oh, well, I mean, I, I promised. I, I'm, I'm on the committee. Even, Miss Sprinkle. I have no wish to speak to you, Marshal Dillon, or this woman you brought with you. I will not have my husband serving such people. Aren't you being a trifle bad-mannered, Miss Sprinkle? How dare you say that? Well, aren't you? I suggest that you leave, Marshal. You're not wanted here. Not with that woman you've seen fit to bring. Come on, Matt. I want to go. No. This is a public dance, Miss Sprinkle. Right now, you're trying to make it private. If you can't behave like a lady, I'll thank you to leave this lady's presence. What? Now, see here, Marshal. You can't talk like that to my wife. Hey, Kitty! What do you say, Kitty? Hmm. Matt. Please, I want to go. We're not going anywhere. We're staying. Uh, uh, how about some music? All, all right now, folks. It'll be a walk this time. Thanks for the punch, Mr. Sprinkle. Come on, Kitty. I warned you, man. Now... Please, will you take me out of here before something happens? Nothing's going to happen, Kitty. You and me are going to dance. Have a good time. That's all. You're acting like a kid. Matt, it won't work. I've seen this kind of thing before. May I have this dance, Miss Kitty? Please, Matt. You're being pig-headed and you know it. Let's get out. You're refusing me, Miss Kitty? Oh, Matt. We danced, but it wasn't what I hoped it would be. Kitty closed her eyes. I guess she was trying to blot it out, but I could see the other couples looking, whispering, and one by one dropping away over into a small group that got larger. And there were only about six of us left when the wall ended. That's when the stranger and a couple of his pals walked out onto the floor. They were drifters, probably been in town for a week. They were having their fun before they moved on. Marshal, I got a painful duty. Yeah? The folks in this town seem real upset about you bringing that mm, woman in here. What's your name? I'm just a fella. I kind of made myself and my friends here a committee of three, seeing as how everything's done by committees here, and we, <laughs> yeah, we figured it would be best if you take your um, friend home. Mister, I'm the marshal in Dodge City, and I'm... I'm leaving. You're staying here, Kitty. She's smarter than you, Marshal. Everything all right? Everything's fine, Chester. This ain't a matter of law, you know, Marshal. It's decency and, and what's right. Beyond Marshal, this ain't right. Mister... I'm taking this badge off. Chester, you stay here with Kitty. Matt, don't you do it. Now, come Matt. on outside. You. We're going to talk some more about this out there. Ah, oh, it's cold outside. Now, you be a good fella and get out of where you ain't wanted. You know I won't hit you in here, don't you? Were you thinking of doing that, Marshal? Now, that ain't lawful. I ain't done nothing. Kitty. Kitty, wait. Now, now, there's a gal with sense. All right, mister. Now, I'm telling you, 
You and your pals are going to have to come out sooner or later, and when you do, you better start hightailing it out of Dodge before I catch up with you. We'll think of that. We sure will. (laughs) Marshal. Just three no-good drifters, hating the law, finding pleasure in trouble. Kitty had gone, and I went out into the street. It had stopped snowing. Just cold. Much colder. I went up to the Texas Trail. There was only two people in there. Some guy, dead drunk on a table, and someone else standing at the bar, looking into the mirror at me. Well, you haven't, Mr. Dillon. Nothing, sir. Yeah. Well, I, I got some things to do in the back. You give me a call if anyone comes in, will you? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, kid. Shut up. I, I'm sorry. I'm that either. It was all those polite ladies and gentlemen. Give me a kerchief, will Yeah. Here. It's been a long time since I cried. Yeah, sure. It wasn't so much for me. For you, I want—I wanted to cry right there in the hall, watching you and knowing there was nothing you could do. Nice mess of people we got in Dodge. No, it's not them, Matt. It's me. I've run into this before. The only difference was I didn't have you around. I wanted it to be right tonight because of you. A lot of narrow-minded prayer spouting. Yeah. They hurt your pride, didn't they? No. No, it, it wasn't that. No? No, I... I wanted you to go with me. That made me real happy. But maybe we're different, Matt. You and me figure life different to them. That's not their fault. There's a lot of folks there I know. I, I smile at them on the street. They talk to me. But tonight, well, that was different. I made them uncomfortable. Yeah? Well, they didn't do a bad job with you. Oh, you can't look at it that way. And you can't go fighting the whole town, either. There's three fellas going to get hurt. No, I don't want you to do do that, Matt. Just let it go. Let it go, Matt. They don't mean nothing. You know what means something to me? What? That you asked me to go to the dance with you. I knew what was going to happen, but it was worth the chance. 
I thank you for it, ma'am. You're a funny one. Am I? <laughs> but you sure showed them up, those women. <laughs> the way you look. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> you know, you look pretty fine yourself. Sam! Yeah? Uh, you got any champagne, Sam? What? Have I got any what? Champagne. Well, yeah. I guess maybe. A bottle or two? Yeah, maybe. Sure. Well, break it out. All right. Miss Kitty, I think the next dance is mine. Oh, Matt. I'd be real pleased, Mr. Dillon. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Anthony Ellis, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were John Daner, Vivi Janice, Bob Sweeney, Lawrence Dobkin, and Mary Lansing. Parley Bear is Chester, Howard McNair is Doc, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. Gunsmoke is heard by our troops overseas through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Don't miss Robert Trout and his timely roundup of world news tomorrow on most of these same CBS radio stations. Roy Rowan speaking. And remember, Amos and Andy are here every Sunday on the CBS Radio Network. the Relic Radio Show for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. You can find more from Suspense, Gunsmoke, past episodes of this podcast, all the others, and everything else Relic Radio at the website, relicradio.com. While you're there, if you'd like to donate and help support this and all of the shows, you can do so. Got some downloadable sets for certain donation amounts, though any amount is always helpful and appreciated. It's how we've been able to come to you for the past 15 years. Thanks to those who have helped out over those 15 years. And thanks for joining me today. Be back next Tuesday with another hour of the Relic Radio Show.